Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible An Exposition with Practical Observations of The Book of the Prophet Jeremiah Chapter 51 The prophet in this chapter goes on with the prediction of Babylon's fall, to which other prophets also bore witness. He is very copious and lively in describing the foresight God had given him of it, for the encouragement of the pious captives, whose deliverance depended upon it and was to be the result of it. Here is 1. The record of Babylon's doom, with the particulars of it, intermixed with the grounds of God's controversy with her, many aggravations of her fall, and great encouragements given thence to the Israel of God, that suffered such hard things by her, verses 1-58. to 2. The representation and ratification of this by the throwing of a copy of this prophecy into the river Euphrates, verses 59-64. to 64. Jeremiah 51 verses 1 to 58. The particulars of this copious prophecy are dispersed and interwoven, and the same things left and returned to so often that it could not well be divided into parts, but we must endeavor to collect them under their proper heads. Let us then observe here. 1. An acknowledgement of the great pomp and power that Babylon had been in, and the use that God in his providence had made of it. Verse 7 Babylon hath been a golden cup, a rich and glorious empire a golden city, Isaiah 14 verse 4, a head of gold, Daniel 2 verse 38, filled with all good things, as a cup with wine. Nay, she had been a golden cup in the Lord's hand, he had in a particular manner filled and favored her with blessings, he had made the earth drunk with this cup, some were intoxicated with her pleasures and debauched by her, others intoxicated with her terrors and destroyed by her. In both senses the New Testament Babylon is said to have made the kings of the earth drunk, Revelation 17 verse 2, 18 colon 3. Babylon had also been God's battle-axe, it was so at this time, when Jeremiah prophesied, and was likely to be yet more so, verse 20. The forces of Babylon were God's weapons of war, tools in his hand, with which he broke in pieces, and knocked down, nations and kingdoms, horses and chariots, which are so much the strength of kingdoms, verse 21, comma man and woman, young and old, with which kingdoms are replenished, verse 22, comma the shepherd and his flock, the husbandman and his oxen, with which kingdoms are maintained and supplied, verse 23. Such havoc as this the Chaldeans had made when God employed them as instruments of his wrath for the chastising of the nations, and yet now Babylon itself must fall. Note, those that have carried all before them a great while will yet at length meet with their match, and their day also will come to fall, the rod will itself be thrown into the fire at last. Nor can any think it will exempt them from God's judgments that they have been instrumental in executing his judgments on others. 2. A just complaint made of Babylon, and a charge drawn up against her by the Israel of God. 1. She is complained of for her incorrigible wickedness, Verse 9 We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. The people of God that were captives among the Babylonians endeavored, according to the instructions given them, Jeremiah 10 verse 11, to convince them of the folly of their idolatry, but they could not do it, still they doted as much as ever upon their graven images, and therefore the Israelites resolved to quit them and go to their own country. Yet some understand this as spoken by the forces they had hired for their assistance, declaring that they had done their best to save her from ruin, but that it was all to no purpose, and therefore they might as well go home to their respective countries, for her judgment reaches unto heaven, and it is in vain to withstand it or think to avert it. 2. She is complained of for her inveterate malice against Israel. 
Other nations had been hardly used by the Chaldeans, but Israel only complains to God of it, and with confidence appeals to him, verses 34 and 35 The king of Babylon has devoured me, and crushed me, and never thought he could do enough ruin to me, he has emptied me of all that was valuable, has swallowed me up as a dragon, or whale, swallows up the little fish by shoals, he has filled his belly, filled his treasures with my delicates, with all my pleasant things, and has cast me out cast. Me away as a vessel in which there is no pleasure, and now let them, let them be accountable for all this. Zion and Jerusalem shall say, Let the violence done to me and my children, that are my own flesh, and pieces of myself, and all the blood of my people, which they have shed like water, be upon them, let the guilt of it lie upon them, and let it be required at their hands. Note, ruin is not far off from those that lie under the guilt of wrong done to God's people. 3. Judgment given upon this appeal by the righteous judge of heaven and earth, on behalf of Israel against Babylon. He sits in the throne judging right, is ready to receive complaints, and answers, verse 36 I will plead thy cause. Leave it with me, I will in due time plead it effectually, and take vengeance for thee, and every drop of Jerusalem's blood shall be accounted for with interest. Israel and Judah seem to have been neglected and forgotten, but God had an eye to them, verse 5. It is true their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. They were a provoking people and their sins were a great offense to God, as a holy God, and as their God, their Holy One, and therefore He justly delivered them up into the hands of their enemies, and might justly have abandoned them and left them to perish in their hands, but God deals better with them than they deserve, and, notwithstanding their iniquities and His severities, Israel is not forsaken, is not cast off, though He be cast out but is owned and looked after by his God, by the Lord of hosts. God is his God still, and will act for him as the Lord of hosts, a God of power. Note, though God's people may have broken his laws and fallen under his rebukes, yet it does not therefore follow that they are thrown out of covenant, but God's care of them and love to them will flourish again, Psalm 89 verses 30-33. The Chaldeans thought they should never be called to an account for what they had done against God's Israel, but there is a time fixed for vengeance, verse 6. We cannot expect it should come sooner than the time fixed, but then it will come, he will render unto Babylon a recompense, for the avenging of Israel is the vengeance of the Lord, who espouses their cause, it is the vengeance of his temple, verse 11, as before, chapter 50 verse 28. The Lord God of recompenses, the God to whom vengeance belongs, will surely requite, verse 56, will pay them home, he will render unto Babylon all the evil they have done in Zion, verse 24, he will return it in the sight of his people. They shall have the satisfaction to see their cause pleaded with jealousy. They shall not only live to see those judgments brought upon Babylon, but they shall plainly see them to be the punishment of the wrong they have done to Zion, any man may see it, and say, Verily there is a God that judges in the earth, for just as Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall, has not only slain those that were found in arms, but all without distinction, even all the land, almost all were put to the sword. So at Babylon shall fall the slain not only of the city, but of all. The country, verse 49. Cyrus shall measure to the Chaldeans the same that they measured to the Jews, so that every observer may discern that God is recompensing them for what they did against his people, but Zion's children shall in a particular manner triumph in it. Verse 10 The Lord has brought forth our righteousness, he has appeared in our behalf against those that that dealt unjustly with us, and has given us redress, he has also made it to appear that he is reconciled to us, and that we are yet in his eyes a 
Righteous nation! Let it therefore be spoken of to his praise, come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God, that others may be invited to join with us in praising him. For a declaration of the greatness and sovereignty of that God who espouses Zion's cause and undertakes to reckon with this proud and potent enemy, verse 14. It is the Lord of hosts that has said it, that has sworn it, has sworn it by himself, for he could swear by no greater, that he will fill Babylon with vast and incredible numbers of the enemy's forces, will fill it with men as with caterpillars, that shall overpower it will multitudes, and need only to lift up a shout against it, for that shall be so terrible as to dispirit all the inhabitants, and make them an easy prey to this numerous army. But who and where is he that can break so powerful a kingdom as Babylon? The prophet gives an account of him from the description he had formerly given of him, and of his sovereignty and victory over all pretenders, Jeremiah 10 verses 12-16, which was there intended for the conviction of the Babylonian idolaters and the confirmation of God's Israel in the faith and worship of the God of Israel, and it is here repeated to show that God will convince those by his judgments who would not be convinced by his word that he is God over all. Let not any doubt, but that he who has determined to destroy Babylon is able to make his words good for. 1. He is the God that made the world, verse 15, and therefore nothing is too hard for him to do, it is in his name that our help stands, and on him our hope is built. 2. He has the command of all the creatures that he has made, verse 16, his providence is a continued creation. He has wind and rain at his disposal. If he speak the word, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and it is a wonder how they hang there, fed by vapors out of the earth, and it is a wonder how they ascend thence. Lightnings and rain seem contraries, as fire and water, and yet they are produced together, and the wind, which seems arbitrary in its motions, and we know not whence it comes, is yet, we are sure, brought out of his treasuries. 3. The idols that oppose the accomplishment of his word are a mere sham, and their worshippers brutish people, verses 17 and 18. The idols are falsehood, they are vanity, they are the work of errors, when they come to be visited, to be examined and inquired into, they perish, that is, their reputation sinks and they appear to be nothing, and those that make them are like unto them. But between the God of Israel and these gods of the heathen there is no comparison, verse 19 The portion of Jacob is not like them, the God who speaks this, and will do it is the former of all things, and the Lord of all hosts, and therefore can do what he will and there is a near relation between him and his people, for he is their portion and they are his. They put a confidence in him as their portion, and he is pleased to take a complacency in them, and a particular care of them as the lot of his inheritance, and therefore he will do what is best for them. The repetition of these things here, which were said before, intimates both the certainty and the importance of them, and obliges us to take special notice of them. God hath spoken once, yet twice have we heard this, that power belongs to God, power to destroy the most formidable enemies of his church, and if God thus speak once, yet twice, we are inexcusable if we do not perceive it and attend to it. 5. A description of the instruments that are to be employed in this service. God has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, verse 11, Darius and Cyrus, who come against Babylon by a divine instinct, for God's device is against Babylon to destroy it. They do it, but God devised it, he designed it, they are but accomplishing his purpose, and acting as he directed. Note, God's counsel shall stand, and according to it all hearts shall move. Those whom God employs against Babylon are compared, verse 1, to a destroying wind, 
which either by its coldness blasts the fruits of the earth or by its fierceness blows down all before it. This wind is brought out of God's treasuries, verse 16, and it is here said to be raised up against those that dwell in, dwell in the midst of the Chaldeans, those of other nations that inhabit among them and are incorporated with them. The Chaldeans rise up against God by falling down before idols, and against them God will raise up destroyers, for he will be too hard for those that contend with him. These enemies are compared to fanners, verse 2, who shall drive them away as chaff is driven away by the fan. The Chaldeans had been fanners to winnow God's people, chapter 15 verse 7, and to empty them, and now they shall themselves be in like manner despoiled and dispersed. 6. An ample commission given them to destroy and lay all waste. Let them bend their bow against the archers of the Chaldeans, verse 3, and not spare her young men, but utterly destroy them, for the Lord has both devised and done what he spoke against Babylon, verse 12. This may animate the instruments he employs, but assuring them of success. The methods they take are such as God has devised and therefore they shall surely prosper, what he has spoken shall be done, for he himself will do it, and therefore let all necessary preparations be made. This they are called to, verses 27 and 28. Let a standard be set up, under which to enlist soldiers for this expedition, let a trumpet be blown to call men together to it and animate them in it. Let the nations, out of which Cyrus's army is to be raised, prepare their recruits. Let the kingdoms of Ararat, and many in Ashkenaz, of Armenia, both the higher and the lower, lower, and of Ascania, about Phrygia and Bithynia, send in their quota of men for his service. Let general officers be appointed, and the cavalry advance. Let the horses come up in great numbers, as the caterpillars, and come, like them, leaping and pawing in the valley. Let them lay the country waste, as caterpillars do, Joel 1 verse 4, especially rough caterpillars. Let the kings and captains prepare nations against Babylon, for the service is great, and there is occasion for. 7. The weakness of the Chaldeans, and their inability to make head against this threatening destroying force. When God employed them against other nations they had spirit and strength to act offensively, and went on with admirable resolution, conquering and to conquer but now that it comes to their turn to be reckoned with all their might and courage are gone, their hearts fail them, and none of all their men of might and metal have found their hands to act so much as defensively. They are called upon here to prepare for action, but it is ironically, and in an upbraiding way, verse 11 make bright the arrows, which have grown rusty through disuse, gather the shields, which in a long time of peace and security have been scattered and thrown out of the way, verse 12. Set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon, upon the towers on those walls, to summon all that owed suit and service to that mother city, now to come into her assistance, let them make the watches strong as they can, and appoint the sentinels to their respective posts, and prepare ambushes for the reception of the enemy. This intimates that they would be found very secure and remiss, and would need to be thus quickened, and they were so to such a degree that they were in the midst of their revels when the city was taken, but that all their preparations should come to no purpose. Whoever will may call them to it, but they shall have no heart to come at the call, verse 29. The whole land shall tremble, and sorrow, a universal consternation, shall seize upon them, for they shall see both the irresistible arm, and the irreversible counsel and decree of God against them. They shall see that God is making Babylon a desolation, and therein is performing what he has purposed, and then the mighty men of Babylon have forborne to fight, verse 30. God having taken away their strength and spirit, so that they have remained in their holds, not daring so much as to peep forth, 
the might both of their hearts and of their hands fails, they become as timorous as women, so that the enemy has, without any resistance, burnt her dwelling places and broken her bars. It is to the same purport with verses 56 and 58. When the spoiler comes upon Babylon her mighty men, who should make head against him, are immediately taken, their weapons of war fail them, every one of their bows is broken and stands them in no stead. Their politics fail them, they call councils of war, but their princes and captains, who sit in council to concert measures for the common safety, are made drunk, they are as men intoxicated through stupidity or despair, they can form no right notions of things, they stagger and are unsteady in their counsels and resolves, and dash one against another, and, like drunken men, fall out among themselves. At length they sleep a perpetual sleep, and never awake from their wine, the wine of God's wrath, for it is to them an opiate that lays them into a fatal lethargy. The walls of their city fail them, verse 58. When the enemy had found ways to ford Euphrates, which was thought impassable, yet surely, think they, the walls are impregnable, they are the broad walls of Babylon or, as the margin reads it, the walls of broad Babylon. The compass of the city, within the walls, was 385 furlongs, some say 480, that is, about 60 miles, the walls were 200 cubits high and 50 cubits broad, so that two chariots might easily pass by one another upon them. Some say that there was a threefold wall about the inner city, and the like, like about the outer, and that the stones of the wall, being laid in pitch instead of mortar, Genesis 11 verse 3, were scarcely separable, and yet these shall be utterly broken, and the high gates and towers shall be burnt, and the people that are employed in the defense of the city shall labor in vain in the fire, they shall quite tire themselves, but shall do no good. 8. The destruction that shall be made of Babylon by these invaders. 1. It is a certain destruction, the doom has passed, and it cannot be reversed, a divine power is engaged against it, which cannot be resisted, verse 8 Babylon is fallen and destroyed, is as sure to fall, to fall into destruction, as if it were fallen and destroyed already, though when Jeremiah prophesied this, and many a year after, it was in the height of its power and greatness. God declares, God appears against Babylon, verse 25 Behold, I am against thee, and those cannot stand long whom God is against. He will stretch out his hand upon it, a hand which no creature can bear the weight of nor withstand the force of. It is his purpose, which shall be performed, that Babylon must be a desolation, verse 29. 2. It is a righteous destruction. Babylon has made herself meet for it, and therefore cannot fail to meet with it. 4. Verse 25. Babylon has been a destroying mountain, very lofty and bulky as a mountain, and destroying all the earth, as the stones that are tumbled from high mountains spoil the grounds about them, but now it shall itself be rolled down from its rocks, which were as the foundations on which it stood. It shall be leveled, its pomp and power broken. It is now a burning mountain, like Etna and the other volcanoes, that throw out fire, to the terror of all about them. But it shall be a burnt mountain, it shall at length have consumed itself, and shall remain a heap of ashes. So will this world be at the end of time. Again, verse 33, Babylon is like a threshing floor, in which the people of God have been long threshed, as sheaves in the floor, but now the time has come that she shall herself be threshed and her sheaves in her, her princes and great men, and all her inhabitants, shall be beaten in their own land, as in the threshing floor. The threshing floor is prepared. Babylon is by sin made meet to be a seat of war, and her people, like corn in harvest, 
are ripe for destruction, Revelation 14 verse 15, Micah 4 verse 12. 3. It is an unavoidable destruction. Babylon seems to be well-fenced and fortified against it, she dwells upon many waters, verse 13, the situation of her country is such that it seems inaccessible, it is so surrounded, and the march of an enemy into it so embarrassed by rivers. In allusion to this, the New Testament Babylon is said to sit upon many waters, that is, to rule over many nations, as the other Babylon did, Revelation 17 verse 15. Babylon is abundant in treasures, and yet thy end has come, and neither thy waters nor thy wealth shall secure thee. This end that comes shall be the measure of thy covetousness, it shall be the stint of thy gettings, it shall set bounds to thy ambition and avarice, which otherwise would have been boundless. God, by the destruction of Babylon, said to its proud waves, Hitherto shall you come, and no further. Note, if men will not set a measure to their covetousness by wisdom and grace, God will set a measure to it by his judgments. Babylon, thinking herself very safe and very great, was very proud, but she will be deceived, verse 53 Though Babylon should mount her walls and palaces up to heaven, and though, because what is high is apt to totter, she should take care to fortify the height of her strength, yet all will not do, God will send spoilers against her, that shall break through her strength and bring down her height. For, it is a gradual destruction, which, if they had pleased, they might have foreseen, and had warning of, for, verse 46, a rumor will come one year that Cyrus is making vast preparations for war, and after that, in another year, shall come a rumor that his design is upon Babylon, and he is steering his course that way, so that when he was a great way off they might have sent and desired conditions of peace, but they were too proud, too secure, to do that, and their hearts were hardened to their destruction. 5. Yet, when it comes, it is a surprising destruction. Babylon has suddenly fallen, verse 8. The destruction came upon them when they did not think of it, and was perfected in a little time, as that of the New Testament Babylon in one hour, Revelation 18 verse 17. The king of Babylon, who should have been observing the approaches of the enemy, was himself at such a distance from the place where the attack was made that it was a great while ere he had noticed that the city was taken so that those who were posted near the place sent one messenger, one courier, after another, with advice of it. Verse 31. The footposts shall meet at the court from several quarters with this intelligence to the king of Babylon that his city is taken at one end, and there is nothing to obstruct the progress of the conquerors, but they will be at the other end quickly. They are to tell him that the enemy has seized the passes, verse 32, the forts or blockades upon the river, and that, having got over the river, he has set fire to the reeds on the riverside, to alarm and terrify the city, so that all the men of war are affrighted, and have thrown down their arms and surrendered at discretion. The messengers come, like jobs, one upon the heels of another, with these tidings, which are immediately confirmed with a witness by the enemies being in the palace and slaying the king himself, Daniel 5 verse 30. That profane feast which they were celebrating at the very time when the city was taken, which was both an evidence of their strange security and a great advantage to the enemy, seems here to be referred to, verses 38 and 39 They shall roar together like lions, as men in their revels do, when the wine has got into their heads. They call it singing, but in scripture language, and in the language of sober men, it is called yelling like lions whelps. It is probable that they were drinking confusion to Cyrus and his army with loud huzzas. Well, says God, in their heat, when they are inflamed, Isaiah 5 verse 11, and their heads are hot with hard drinking, I will make their feasts, I will give them their portion. 
They have passed their cup round, now the cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto them, Habakkuk 2 verses 15 and 16, a cup of fury, which shall make them drunk that they may rejoice, or rather that they may revel it, and sleep a perpetual sleep, let them be as merry as they can with that bitter cup, but it shall lay them to sleep never to wake more, as verse 57, for on that night, in the midst of the jollity, was Belshazzar slain. 6. It is to be a universal destruction. God will make thorough work of it, for, as he will perform what he has purposed, so he will perfect what he has begun. The slain shall fall in great abundance throughout the land of the Chaldeans, multitudes shall be, th be thrust through in her streets, verse 4. They are brought down like lambs to the slaughter, verse 40, in such great numbers, so easily, and the enemies make no more of killing them than the butcher does of killing lambs. The strength of the enemy, and their invading them, are here compared to an eruption and inundation of waters, verse 42 The sea has come up upon Babylon, which, when it has once broken through its bounds, there is no fence against, so that she is covered with the multitude of its waves, overpowered by a numerous army, her cities then become a desolation, an uninhabited uncultivated desert, verse 43. 7. It is a destruction that shall reach the gods of Babylon, the idols and images, and fall with a particular weight upon them. In token that the whole land shall be confounded and all her slain shall fall, and that throughout all the country the wounded shall groan, I will do judgment upon her graven images, verse 47 and again verse 52. All must needs perish if their gods perish, from whom they expect protection. Though the invaders are themselves idolaters, yet they shall destroy the images and temples of the gods of Babylon, as an earnest of the abolishing of all counterfeit deities. Bel was the principal idol that the Babylonians worshipped, and therefore that is by name here marked for destruction, verse 44, I will punish Bel, that great devourer, that image to which such abundance of sacrifices are offered and such rich spoils dedicated, and to whose temple there is such a vast resort. He shall disgorge what he has so greedily regaled himself with. God will bring forth out of his temple all the wealth laid up there, Job 20 verse 15. His altars shall be forsaken, none shall regard him any more, and so that idol which was thought to be a wall to Babylon shall fall and fail them. 8. It shall be a final destruction. You may take balm for her pain, but in vain, she that would not be healed by the word of God shall not be healed by his providence, verse 8-9. Babylon shall become heaps, verse 37, and, to complete its infamy, no use shall be made even of the ruins of Babylon, so execrable shall they be, and attended with such ill omens, verse 26 they shall not take, take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations. People shall not care for having anything to do with Babylon, or whatever belong to it. Or it denotes that there shall be nothing left in Babylon on which to ground any hopes or attempts of raising it into a kingdom again for, as it follows here, it shall be desolate forever. St. Jerome says that in his time, though the ruins of Babylon's walls were to be seen, yet the ground enclosed by them was a forest of wild beasts. 9. Here is a call to God's people to go out of Babylon. It is their wisdom, when the ruin is approaching, to quit the city and retire into the country, verse 6 Flee out of the midst of Babylon, and get into some remote corner, that you may save your lives, and may not be cut off in her iniquity. When God's judgments are abroad it is good to get as far as we can from those against whom they are leveled, as Israel from the tents of Korah. This agrees with the advice Christ gave his disciples, with reference to the destruction of Jerusalem.
Let those who shall be in Judea flee to the mountains, Matthew 24 verse 16. It is their wisdom to get out of the midst of Babylon, lest they be involved, if not in her ruins, yet in her fears, verse 45, 46 Lest your heart faint, and you fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. Though God had told them that Cyrus should be their deliverer, and Babylon's destruction their deliverance, yet they had been told also that in the peace thereof they should have peace, and therefore the alarms given to Babylon would put them into a fright, and perhaps they might not have faith and consideration enough to suppress those fears for which reason they are here advised to get out of the hearing of the alarms. Note, those who have not grace enough to keep their temper in temptation should have wisdom enough to keep out of the way of temptation. But this is not all, it is not only their wisdom to quit the city when the ruin is approaching, but it is their duty to quit the country too when the ruin is accomplished, and they are set at liberty by the pulling down of the prison over their heads. This they are told, verses 50 and 51, You Israelites, who have escaped the sword of the Chaldeans your oppressors, and of the Persians their destroyers, now that the year of release has come, go away, stand not still, hasten to your own country again however you may be comfortably seated in Babylon, for this is not your rest, but Canaan is. 1. He puts them in mind of the inducements they had to return, remember the Lord afar off, his presence with you now, though you are here afar off from your native soil, his presence with your fathers formerly in the temple, though you are now afar off from the ruins of it. Note, wherever we are, in the greatest depths, at the greatest distances, we may and must remember the Lord our God, and in the time of the greatest fears and hopes it is seasonable to remember the Lord. And let Jerusalem come into your mind. Though it be now in ruins, yet favor its dust, Psalm 102 verse 14. Though few of you ever saw it, yet believe the report you have had concerning it from those that wept when they remembered Zion, and think of Jerusalem until you come up to a resolution to make the best of your way thither. Note, when the city of our solemnities is out of sight, yet it must not be out of mind, and it will be of great use to us, in our journey through this world, to let the heavenly Jerusalem come often into our mind. 2. He takes notice of the discouragement which the returning captives labor under, verse 51, being reminded of Jerusalem, they cry out, we are confounded, we cannot bear the thought of it, shame covers our faces at the mention of it, for we have heard of the, the reproach of the sanctuary, that is profaned and ruined by strangers, how can we think of it with any pleasure? To this he answers, verse 52, that the God of Israel will now triumph over the gods of Babylon, and so that reproach will be forever rolled away. Note, the believing prospect of Jerusalem's recovery will keep us from being ashamed of Jerusalem's ruins. 10. Here is the diversified feeling excited by Babylon's fall, and it is the same that we have with respect to the New Testament Babylon, Revelation 18 verses 9 and 19. 1. Some shall lament the destruction of Babylon. There is the sound of a cry, a great outcry coming from Babylon, verse 54, lamenting this great destruction, the voice of mourning, because the Lord has destroyed the voice of the multitude, that great voice of mirth which used to be heard in Babylon, verse 55. We are told what they shall say in their lamentations, verse 41 How is Shashak taken, and how are we mistaken concerning her? How is that city surprised and become an astonishment among the nations that was the praise, and glory, and admiration of the whole earth? See how that may fall into a general contempt which has been universally cried up. 2. Yet some shall rejoice in Babylon's fall, not as it is the misery of their fellow creatures, but as it is the manifestation of the righteous judgment of God, and as it opens the way for the release of God's captives, 
upon these accounts the heaven and the earth, and all that is in both, shall sing for Babylon, verse 48, the church in heaven and the church on earth shall give to God the glory of his righteousness, and take notice of it with thankfulness to his praise. Babylon's ruin is Zion's praise. Jeremiah 51 verses 59-64 We have been long attending the judgment of Babylon in this and the the foregoing chapter, now here we have the conclusion of that whole matter. 1. A copy is taken of this prophecy, it should seem by Jeremiah himself, for Baruch his scribe is not mentioned here, verse 60 Jeremiah wrote in a book all these words that are here written against Babylon. He received this notice that he might give it to all whom it might concern. It is of great advantage both to the propagating and to the perpetuating of the word of God to have it written, and to have copies taken of the law, prophets, and epistles. 2. It is sent to Babylon, to the captives there, by the hand of Sariah, who went there attendant on or ambassador for King Zedekiah, in the fourth year of his reign, verse 59. He went with Zedekiah, or, as the margin reads it, on the behalf of Zedekiah, into Babylon. The character given of him is observable, that this Sariah was a quiet prince, a prince of rest. He was in honor and power, but not, as most of the princes then were, hot and heady, making parties, and heading factions, and driving things furiously. He was of a calm temper, studied the things that made for peace, endeavored to preserve a good understanding between the king his master and the king of Babylon, and to keep his master from rebelling. He was no persecutor of God's prophets, but a moderate man. Zedekiah was happy in the choice of such a man to be his envoy to the king of Babylon, and Jeremiah might safely entrust such a man with his errand too. Note, it is the real honor of great men to be quiet men, and it is the wisdom of princes to put such into places of trust. 3. Sariah is desired to read it to his countrymen that had already gone into captivity, when thou shalt come to Babylon, and shalt see what a magnificent place it is, how large a city, how strong, how rich, and how well fortified, and shalt therefore be tempted to think, surely, it will stand forever, as the disciples, when they observed the buildings of the temple, concluded that nothing would throw them down, but the end of the world, Matthew 24 verse 3, then thou shalt read all these words to thyself and thy particular friends, for their encouragement in their captivity, let them with an eye of faith see to the end of these threatening powers, and comfort themselves, and one another herewith. For he is directed to make a solemn protestation of the divine authority and unquestionable certainty of that which he had read, verse 62 Then thou shalt look up to God, and say, O Lord, it is thou that hast spoken against this place, to cut it off. This is like the angel's protestation concerning the destruction of the New Testament Babylon. These are the true sayings of God, Revelation 19 verse 9. These words are true and faithful, Revelation 21 verse 5. Though Sariah sees Babylon flourishing, having read this prophecy he must foresee Babylon falling, and by virtue of it must curse its habitation, though it be taking root, Job 5 verse 3 O Lord. Thou hast spoken against this place, and I believe what thou hast spoken, that, as thou knowest everything, so thou canst do everything. Thou hast passed sentence upon Babylon, and it shall be executed. Thou hast spoken against this place, to cut it off, and therefore we will neither envy its pomp nor fear its power. When we see what this world is, is, how glittering its shows are, and how flattering its proposals, let us read in the book of the Lord that its fashion passes away, and it shall shortly be cut off and be desolate forever, 
and we shall learn to look upon it with a holy contempt. Observe here, when we have been reading the word of God it becomes us to direct to him whose word it is a humble believing acknowledgement of the truth, equity, and goodness, of what we have read. 5. He must then tie a stone to the book and throw it into the midst of the river Euphrates, as a confirming sign of the things contained in it, saying, Thus shall Babylon sink, and not rise, for they shall be weary, they shall perfectly succumb, as men tired with a burden, under the load of the evil that I will bring upon them, which they shall never shake off, nor get from under, verse 53, 64. In the sign it was the stone that sunk the book, which otherwise would have swum. But in the thing signified it was rather the book that sunk the stone, it was the divine sentence passed upon Babylon in this prophecy that sunk that city, which seemed as firm as a stone. The fall of the New Testament Babylon was represented by something like this, but much more magnificent, Revelation 18 verse 21. A mighty angel cast a great millstone into the sea, saying, Thus shall Babylon fall. Those that sink under the weight of God's wrath and curse sink irrecoverably. The last words of the chapter seal up the vision and prophecy of this book, thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Not that this prophecy against Babylon was the last of his prophecies, for it was dated in the fourth year of Zedekiah, verse 59, long before he finished his testimony, but this is recorded last of his prophecies because it was to be last accomplished of all his prophecies against the Gentiles, chapter 46 verse 1. And the chapter which remains is purely historical, and, as some think, was added by some other hand.